I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello, welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name's Matt. And my name's Courtney. And this week we are going to be discussing emotional eating. Yes, we will be. Which we're uh, we're excited to tackle. And I do have to apologize first off that I am battling a little bit of a flu. So my voice sounds probably a little bit funnier than normal, a bit stranger than normal. Yep. Uh, so I do apologize for that, but we are going to push through. And I think I'm the only person in the world that gets the flu when it's... 36 degrees Celsius in the middle of summer, but that's okay. Like, we'll soldier on. Lucky me. So we're moving on. So pushing forward to today's topic. Emotional eating, yep. Uh, something that clearly affects virtually everyone since mm. all humans are emotional eaters, especially when we talk about the subject of weight loss and, and physical change. What's Courtney, what's your experience with emotional eating? Give us the lowdown. Give us the lowdown. Well, What's up? Uh, this has been a big one for me, um, which is why I actually really enjoy talking about this topic. Um, I struggled with this uh, for years, and I and I still struggle with it a lot of the time. To be honest with you, it's not something that you can just switch off and you can stop doing. I uh, always um, ate my emotions. It was always my addiction uh, growing up. I didn't drink very much I didn't smoke I whenever I was feeling bad or uh, upset I would eat and that was just the, the thing that I did and I was addicted to sweet sweet food so it was chocolate it was lollies it was ice cream these were the sort of foods that I would eat uh, when I was feeling emotional mm. and I mean emotional eating I think affects every emotion the good and the bad but generally it's the bad I know for me, from my background, I have, I've rarely had to put up with emotional eating from a negative standpoint. I've actually been an emotional eater from a happy standpoint. Yeah, mine was always negative. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've eaten things I normally wouldn't have or have overeaten on things in a, a way of celebration. Oh, I see. So, so uh, something good happens and you go out and you have a feast. A, a victory slice of cake, <laughs> shall we say, or a victory cake or victory ice cream, victory hamburgers. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it, it does affect both ways. It can because I, I know for me, I, I've i never, even at my worst, never emotionally ate from dep depression unless you count drinking yeah, so you had another vice as well. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't drink or, or or smoke, so that was really my outlet was food. Yeah, okay. Now, my food for me has been, like I said, yeah, victory, victory, emotional eating. So drinking for you back in the day was the the negative yeah, side. That was to try and bring out a social side. Mm. 
Yeah, see, for me, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was always eating, um, happy or sad, but I think, I think I overdid it more when I was feeling anxious or I was feeling alone or I was feeling some sort of less than good or, or negative, uh, feeling. I would definitely eat more. What sort of, can you pinpoint what sort of things that would happen that would trigger it? I don't reckon there was ever one particular thing. It always changed. But for me, it, it might have just been... I was a very anxious person when I was in my teens, especially. In my um, my late teens, I became incredibly anxious. Mm. Um, socially anxious, but I, I would often concern myself that things were going to happen that hadn't happened yet. Which still goes on. Again, you just can't switch off these sort of things. You have to work on them. Um, mm. So I'm still working on that one. Yes, but you are. I was incredibly bad when I was in my late teens. I was incredibly anxious. And I, when I would feel that, I would crave sugar, uh, sweet things. Um, if I was feeling upset or, or, or sad or lonely, I would, I would eat. And it was really unconscious. And, and I just loved sweet things. So when I found something that I loved... I would just continue to eat it. Like I remember, I think I was around 20, about 20 years old. And how old are you now? 28. Yep. And I found this ice cream that I loved. It was to die for. All of it. And it was like, it came in like a a litre container. Yep. And I used to eat a litre at a time. What flavour was it? It was like a chocolate brownie. Ooh. It was like chocolate ice cream with like brownie chunks and nuts and chocolate chips in it. It was it does sound pretty good though. delicious. Yeah. But I could eat a whole litre without batting an eyelid. Was that Ben and Jerry's? No, it wasn't okay. Ben and Jerry's. I, I don't know what brand it was, but it was delicious. And I used to eat a litre of it at a time. It was not cheap either. It was like <laughs> $7 or something. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yes and no. It yeah. felt worth it, but was it really worth it? No. So that was that was my my th- main emotional eating, where, where the emotion came from was um, was sugar yep. and, and from negative experiences. Uh, for me, it was, like I said before, celebration was also a trade-off. So, hey, I've been to the gym today. Mm. I can have these chips. Oh, that happens a lot. That happens I can a have lot. this Coke. It's okay. I've worked out today. It's okay. So it's kind of complacency, I guess, yeah. as well. Um, where it would be... It's just trying to... It is what you said. It's just the, the good old-fashioned trade-off. How many people <clears> do we do we um, speak to that will turn around to us and, and say oh, we're going out for dinner tonight. Do you want to come? And we'll say, yeah, sure. Like, that, you know, great. Yep. We, we we don't not go out for dinner and have whatever we want. And then they make comments to us like, oh, you can just do a big run tomorrow or something like oh, that. Oh, that's the, that's the it's okay, I'll burn it off tomorrow syndrome. But that that yeah. is a lot of people that have that mentality. That, oh, of course, yeah. That you can reward yourself um, by... You do the exercise, you reward yourself with and eating it offsets, whatever. it offsets whatever you have. Yeah. Uh, all right, long story short, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> as, as we know. Unfortunately, it doesn't. So, um, yeah, eating, eating for me, eating the amount of sugary, fatty foods 
when I was feeling down was a massive, massive hurdle and problem for me. And one that I had to really uh, work on straight away. And it wasn't something that I just cut out and I still haven't cut it out because for me, if I was, if I were to cut out sugar altogether, then I would, I would probably give myself a week. Before what? Before I would just binge. Yeah, even now. Even now. Yep. Even now, and and and, and I, ne- I never will either because for me, I still like those foods. I still like chocolate, and I still love uh, ice cream. Anyone yes. who knows me knows I love ice cream. But and I just don't see if if those things make me happy in life, then I see no reason ever why I should have to give those up. Well, it does. It does destroy the balance. It destroys the balance, mm. but it's also what's the point of living a healthy lifestyle if you're miserable? Yeah, there's no fun in that. It's unsustainable, isn't it? There's no fun in it at all. Yeah. So what it became for me when I first started was just to cut down. And my biggest advice, even to this day, when people come to me and ask me, is is just to to make a routine, make changes slowly to that habit because you can't just cut something out. You can't just go from eating a liter of ice cream every week to nothing well no you can't change is hard uh with with clients that you've worked with and and the general public do you notice any sort of common thread among the people that you've worked with in terms of triggers for emotional eating or or how they sort of go off on the benders i personally a lot find it's it's like my experience being the negative emotions yes i agree with that i think that they are the trigger points more so than the uh than the happy ones but i'll tell you something just while you're thinking about that i'd be interested in hearing from people because i actually haven't met anyone like you yeah that 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 victory eight yeah. Uh, so if anyone listening uh, can relate to, to that, to being an emotional leader when things are going well, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, it'd be good to know I'm not the only person out there that's gone through that. Definitely. Because I know with me, with you know, I've worked with, with countless people over the years and it's all been the, the negative emotional eating. So I tend to find the people I've dealt with, they'll, they'll go off when they've had a stressful day at work. Say their, their boss mm. is a bit of a tool shall we say, uh, they might they might go home and um, tuck into something or an argument with their partner. Do you find it mostly with, with, with sugar? I find it mostly from from my clients and from the, the people that I speak to, it's mostly sugar-based sweet things. Generally it is, but that's also dependent on the individual and their personal taste. I've, mm. I've seen it with savoury. Some people will go home and just you know hit the chips, the, the potato yeah, chips. Yeah, that's true. I know I was like that. I've got the sweet and the savory tooth. Mm. So if you say to me, would you like burger rings or chocolate? Uh, the answer is both. I would take chocolate. I'd probably have burger rings dipped in chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I, I could handle that. Uh, but it, it would be mostly sweet, but a bit of savory. But it would gen- generally be based on certain things that would trigger it. So like I said, bad day at work, bad yeah. day at home, uh, for for young parents, it could be a bit of a rough day with the kids. Yeah, you know when they're young, they can be a bit a uh, bit of a handful from what we've seen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for some, I've seen as well. It can be triggered from even what they consider to be a dodgy workout at the gym, because you know everyone has all these high standards for themselves and they expect to have the best workouts of all time every single day. 
if you're anything less than the Incredible Hulk or Wonder Woman, yeah. oh, I'm failing. I may, Fail. as, I, may, I may as well go home and take care of this Mars bar cake. Yeah, and I think it's hard as well when you you are maybe a mother and so you've got things in the house that maybe your children eat, things like that. So they're sitting there looking at you. I know for us... They're, they're speaking to you from the shelf. Eating. Yeah, I know for us, we've, we've sort of helped curb that uh, that habit as well just by not having it in the house but that can also be difficult when there's others involved others involved for us it's easy because we're in a controlled environment and we're the only two people in here correct and we both do this for a living so it's that's unrealistic for most people um, if I can ask you a question shoot because we've been married for 12 months and I've learned something new about you today that it, it your your anxiousness which you still do have does make sense because you've had it for a long time apparently yes so spinning this forward how because you and i both know that you still get very anxious at times yes how do you deal with it now what's changed i think it's uh it's just my having trying to have a realistic perspective on things and i think when for me, I've been um, an anxious person for a, for a long time, and it's taken me a long time to be able to to have that realistic perspective on things. I think that my my anxiety is my default. So when something happens, I automatically go to that anxious place. But the that realistic look at the situation for what it is mentality is I've developed that. It's just I've got to bring that out so I sort of have to to force myself to stop sometimes and just look at a situation and really think about what is happening in this moment and why why am I anxious about this so you sort of it's sort of like removing myself from that moment and sort of looking at from far away and just trying to take it all in if that makes sense it doesn't so I'd like you to elaborate I sort of well, it depends on the situation. I well, mean, can I... I, I still get quite anxious about um, everything. Oh, everything! E- e- you know what? Things very small. From I, I get anxious about um, did something. I, did I lock the door? Something as small as locking doors and locking cards. I don't know whether any of you listening have this thing, but I have this massive thing with having to check that I've locked my car. It's ridiculous. You mean lock everything? I push the button on my key like 50 times just to make sure that I've locked my car. I will, I have actually sometimes driven out of my driveway and stopped and reversed back up because I needed to check if I locked the front door. Yes. It's it's actually a little bit ridiculous, but it is. No, no, it's a lot bit ridiculous. It is my, it's just my little thing. And that's one, the one that I have to be careful. I don't over over obsess about but can i I just share i have (laughs) i have seen this woman firsthand when we've left our gym and she's clearly locked the door and closed it get out of the car walk up to the door and check it violently try and open it i wouldn't say violently i I would check it. it it was shaking when it was clearly locked the first time so yes this this is an issue but in terms of how you've been able to I mean, you haven't removed the anxiety altogether, but in terms of you being an anxious person, you obviously now don't turn quite as much to all the sweets. What yeah. was? What do you think was a trigger point where you started recognizing this and started putting in the effort to 
to turn it around. Anything in particular that you can think of? I just I think as soon as I decided to make a change in my health, and I had that snap point, and I said, no, this enough is enough, and I need to I need to seriously make a change, and and I want to look better. I didn't like the way I looked. I wanted to look better, and I mean my reasons for changing were completely vain they were all about vanity i just wanted to look better well to be fair most people's most are, people's are and, but I'm not... and, and can i just can i just say there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with wanting to look your best and i'm not afraid to say that I, my, yep. my my motivation were completely about i wanted to look better well, I, same was, here. I was single and i didn't want to go out and uh go on dates looking the way i did because i didn't like the way i looked yep. so when i made that d- decision to change and I started eating a healthier way and I started learning how to eat in a more healthy way, I think that's when it dawned on me just how much sugar I was eating, just how many sweets, how much ice cream, how much chocolate. It, it really dawned on me then how much I was eating. I think I was unconsciously eating it really often. Was this when we had met? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you never was, you never mentioned this to me. Well, it was when we met, and I, you obviously were the one that taught me about nutrition and about the different food groups and when you should be eating certain foods. And what I liked about it was that I didn't have to I didn't have to cut anything out. You never t- turned to me and said, "Stop eating that. Stop eating ice cream. Stop eating chocolate." No, well, that that doesn't work. And can I just say that there is a fantastic topic for another podcast yeah. episode yes. in terms of cutting things out. We'll we'll put a note on that put one. Put a note on that one. Spike that one. But you never said to me you need to do these things. But I just I think it just clicks when you make that decision to make a change and you start eating healthy food and you start feeling better and you start working out and you're doing really good things even even if you don't see a notice straight away in the mirror which you don't but you feel it you feel better about yourself oh you feel it inside before you see it outside that's for sure so that way i think then it's really easy to look back and to just realize how much crap i was eating Mm. and then to make you know it's it's an obvious conclusion that well now i can't eat that much crap has it gotten easier over time for you oh i would say yes and no there's definitely some weeks i know um definitely the week of my menstrual cycle um my period week i crave sugar a lot which i think is really really typical um amongst females from a lot of females i've met they they say the same thing would you like to share your little nickname for that that time in your life? Whale Week. Whale Week, why is that? I call it Whale Week because I am prone to bloat a lot. It's actually more than a week, but we call it Whale Week because I, I bloat a lot and I have for years. It doesn't matter what um, I do. I just, my body... Or what you eat. Or what I eat or what medication I take. It doesn't matter. That period, each month, I will retain a lot of fluid and bloat massively. And I have just, as much as it's annoying, I have come to accept it and it's just the way it is. So our nickname for it, just to make it a little bit of a lighthearted thing, 
is Whale Week. Is Whale Week. Which is a, a feature on National Geographic. Because I can't get upset about it every week of every month because that's pointless. So we do we do call it Whale Week. But I find that that, that week I do crave sugar a lot more. Um, but and, and, and I mean, even now, even if something bad happens or I'm feeling quite anxious, I will still crave sugar. Not as much as I did before. Yep. And luckily, because I have cut cut down on it so much mm. i can't tolerate as much as i could before i mean you know what happened on uh, we went out to celebrate our gym uh christmas party with some of our clients and we went out for dinner and we had a great dinner and we decided to go out for ice cream afterwards did we ever and that was the Epic. second time that day that we had had ice cream because we'd also <laughs> celebrated a different Christmas party at lunchtime. Yes. And then we went out for dinner and both after both meals we had had an, um, a, a good couple, serving of ice cream. A couple of scoops of ice cream and oh, we felt so sick after that. I almost got diabetes again. <laughs> we got night. so sick after that. And we're only talking about what realistically... A total of what, five or five, six scoops? Five scoops of ice cream. And we're not talking massive scoops. We're talking just five scoops of ice cream. Mm. I think one, one cup we had was two scoops and then the next cup we had later in the night was three scoops. And we felt so sick. And I look back now and think, I used to eat a litre at a time. Yeah, that used to be the warm-up for both of us. I know that. I used to smash the ice cream. But Absolutely. it's amazing how you, your taste buds do, do change and they do catch up. So that's why as well, when, you, when you're dealing with these sort of issues and instead of going for the whole all or nothing approach and you're slowly cutting down your body is you're allowing your body time to adapt to what you're getting it to do and and mm. even though you you can still tolerate having ice or I can still tolerate having ice cream and chocolate I can't tolerate as much as I could before yeah and I and my and your taste buds change when you're cutting that much sugar out of your diet I mean I I could never when we first met the thought of having dark chocolate oh disgusting tasted like cardboard i used to force myself to eat it mm. but now i mean and, and that was at the very lowest percentage of dark chocolate i could find now i can eat 90 percent dark chocolate easily i can't have a lot of it at once because it is very bitter but i can easily eat 90 percent dark chocolate mm. because it's the same thing with coffee i used to have sugar in my coffee and milk now I, I, I only have black coffee really because I enjoy the taste of it. So it's a, it was amazing to me as well, how much my taste buds change and being able oh, yeah, to absolutely being able to handle more bitter tastes. Yep, I can relate to that. So how did you move on from your? How did what what methods did you use to move on from your emotional eating? The victory, the victory eating. The victory eating. For me, it was just realizing that it was working against me. Yeah. So, for me, it was spending spending four years going around in that circle of going to the gym, then going home and eating in celebration because I've worked out. Mm. So it's okay to have the chips. It's okay to have the coke. It's okay to have some ice cream because I've just been to the gym. Uh, and four years of that. And the only thing that I changed was doing more and more and more exercise, not once addressing what was actually going into my body and it was just the frustration. So that came about with my snap point, uh, which was for me just a case of, well, this isn't working for me. Something has to change. Mm. So it just, it sort of just 
started to shift when I shifted mentally uh, and it just over time has gotten easier to control as because the thing is we're all emotional eaters there's no one out there that's not an emotional eater yeah. we're human beings that, that comes with the territory so I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not an emotional eater anymore I've just been able to change how I'm emotionally attached to my food so I, I love the food that I have now so the omelet that I had before for breakfast I love that so that to me elicits a positive emotion. Same with later on if I have, you know, that a big bowl of vegetables with some chicken and some of the, the Himalayan rock salt, I love the taste of that. Yeah, well it's a big it's a huge factor I think is just making sure that your food has a lot of flavour. I think also it's giving your body the time it needs to adjust. It's it's hard to force it purely on willpower alone and just yeah. say that's it listen to me my body stop craving these foods <laughs> after a bad day or in my case after a good day it has to i think evolve over time well you said it before which i think was was perfect you said it over time exactly my where, mentality changed yep and it's, it's it's always an evolving thing so i'll ask you a question and what well, a question for both of us how do we help our clients with this yep what's my, your perspective my perspective is is to talk about it first and foremost when you when you hide things or you try to sometimes it's not even purposefully hiding it but i think sometimes when you try to not talk about things unconsciously it makes it worse so i think it's just getting it out there that this is a that this is an issue to begin with and As in just recognizing it. Saying that I have a problem with I this. I have a problem with this, I think is yep. a big one. And I think when you try to hide it, I didn't recognize it until I had already made the decision to make a change in my life. And I think that recognizing it as an issue straight away is, is really important. Talking about it, I, I, I when my when girls come to me with this issue, I always want to talk about it. Talk about when when do you find that you have this issue? When does it come up? Like we were talking about before. Is it a negative emotions? Is it the positive emotions? I like to talk about those sort of things. And then how do I help them? I, I tell them, really, it's going to take time to change it. And we've got to try to put in small steps in, in, in making a change here. So for me, in terms of not eating a block of chocolate every week and I'm talking like a family size block of chocolate every week putting in changes as uh, small steps to start changing that was not not eating it it was eating half of it and then going down to only a couple of squares and then it went down to switching from milk chocolate to dark chocolate yeah. And, and, and making changes that way rather than just saying, no, you can't eat that block of chocolate now every week because that just doesn't work. No, that, that will lead to a binge. I happen to agree with that. When you think about it, emotional eating is a habit. Yeah. Because there, there, is, there is the trigger. And yeah. so the trigger could be the bad day or a confrontation. The negative emotion. Yeah, the negative the emotion. The good day. It could be something. The trigger is something. And that's followed by the response or the routine which is the habit of reaching into the fridge and grabbing that caramel chocolate or yeah. that Turkish delight. Yeah, you're not which... reaching in the fridge grabbing the, uh, the the bowl of veggies. No, so there's, I mean, there's 
this this is a discussion unto itself in terms of the science of, of habits and and programming habits just so you guys know listening i will put in the on the show notes page on the website i will put a link to some great reading material for you guys uh about the science of habits it is eye-opening in it terms is. of in terms of how we work as humans with with our brains and and the way habits are formed but also the way habits can be reprogrammed so emotional eating is is a bit of a habit and i'm i agree with you in terms of rather than saying to yourself just stop doing it because that's unrealistic i think you set boundaries i think you've got to set boundaries Reason, and reasonable boundaries that you can work within they're sort of targets as well targets so. to hit so yep. you're sort of giving yourself a bit of a uh uh, a project you, you're giving yourself an assignment you, you're saying this week I'm going to hit this target this week instead of having two liters of ice cream let's try and have one and a half exactly and just gradually cut it down that I think is far easier and more realistic and sustainable for for most people than just turning around and going that's it cold turkey no more of this because how many times have you seen the the rubber band effect yeah. Where where they where they bounce back and just binge out. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys listening can relate to that. I mean, I've um I've been there where I've been really nailing it for a long time and really restricting myself, and it's like, nah, this ice cream. Yep, give me uh, all of it, please. Yeah, and I mean, it often does happen, and it takes, and and sometimes people can can pull out of that and they can recognize that they're that they've gone too far the other way and they can pull it back. But for a lot of people, once you've once you've rebounded and you're binging, it's really hard to stop. It, the, generally, I've seen with people that they won't stop until their body tells them to stop because yeah. they feel terrible. Terrible. But I mean, and that, and that's unfortunately just a a result of the all or nothing approach. You know, yeah. have it, and have that, it, or don't have it. Whereas, yeah, that's, that's it, it, it just doesn't work that way. And I mean, nah. there there are people listening to this that might say, "I can stop. I can just stop and not have it again." Well done. Great high five to you. Fantastic. But for most of the population, it just doesn't work that no, way. No, it's it's very difficult. So you've got to set those those reasonable boundaries to work within and make it it's it's like any sort of goal setting isn't it it has to be realistic and achievable it has to be mm. and and you've got to give yourself time frames as well you can't just say oh i'm going to go from eating a block of chocolate a week to half a block of chocolate and i'll just do that for the next 12 months you've got to give yeah. yourself time frames around these these progress steps as well you've got to say i'm going to do this for a week or for two, two weeks, weeks. And then you're going to go down again, and then you're going to go down again. It it is it is a progress it is a progress thing, but you've got to have a realistic time frame with it as well. So if you want to make this sort of change, you've got to you've got to make a realistic time frame where you want to make that change within. And that's that's the key word. We're talking about change. Change is obviously very difficult and confronting, and takes time. Yeah, time time is that four-letter word that we all hate. But it is what it is because yes. if you're looking at it, let's say you've spent the first 25, 30, 35 years of your life as a binging emotional eater, you aren't going to go cold turkey or change that completely within 7 to 10 days no. or even a month or two months. For some people, this can take years. Yeah. I've seen it. It can take years and that's okay. That's fine. 
it, it does. I think as you said, it starts with recognizing it, saying this is holding me back. Correct. And that, and that at the end of the day is the big thing. It's something that is holding you back from being, looking the way you want to look, uh, feeling the way you want to feel, being as healthy as you want to be. It's something, this is something that's holding you back mm. and you've got to recognize that. And I think it's, it's really powerful just to recognize it and to say, this is a problem and now I'm going to put steps. I'm going to put steps in place to try to fix it because I think for a lot of people as well, they get hung up on just the recognizing it part, mm. but then they don't do anything else. So your mind isn't going to fix this alone. You've actually got to put steps in place, practical steps in place to, to help fix it. And yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, I'm four years down the line mm. and I still struggle with it sometimes, but you've, you're never going to get away from it completely, I don't think, because as you said, we're all emotional people. But it's setting yourself boundaries and it's putting steps in place to make sure that you can help control it. Well, a massive a massive secret of success for people wanting to change physically is having the courage to admit what are the things that are really holding them back. Yeah. And you know, every for most people, this is this is one of them. So I know... Well, I think both of us would like to hear from you guys in terms of your own emotional eating experiences. I'd like to hear personally from anyone that uh, emotionally eats when things are going well, just to know that I'm not the only person that does that. Yeah. Uh, who would you like to hear from? I'd like to hear from from anyone who is starting to recognize this as an issue. And I'd love to hear about what sort of timeframes and steps you're putting into place to overcome it. Okay, and where can they reach us? You can reach us uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, you can send us a message through there, or you can send us an email at. Uh oh. You said. Uh oh. Have you forgotten it again? No, it's podcast. No. Yeah, it is. I'm just messing oh, with you. Oh, you're messing with me. <laughs> it is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com.au. Yep. No, hang, hang not what? .au. Not .au. Oh. Damn it. Oh. I was so close. Okay, you, you just stay there and look pretty. Disregard uh, what I said. The email address is podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Com. We should, I should really write that down mm, for myself. I should, I should print it out for you. I thought I had it nailed, but clearly not. So I'd also like to, I think both of us would like to hear from you guys on has this discussion we've had been helpful for you? Yeah. Um, because we we appreciate feedback and speaking of feedback we have emails we it do. is email time it is email time i have dun, 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 dun. Ooh, we might get some music for this sound effects yeah get some get some music in <laughs> i'm i've pulled three emails for us so i'll i'll read these out one at a time and we'll answer these together shoot so our first email is from cassie in melbourne Hello, guys. Hi, Cassie. One of the biggest hurdles I have is the nutrition side of things. I struggle with it badly. One of the biggest things I find is when I fall off the wagon, so to speak, I tend to not just eat one one bad thing. I tend to do it, then just go for it. What are some ideas to help me stop myself from going so far off the path and seeing the signs before I have made such a mess of it all. And then how do you pull it all back together and get back on track? Mm. You start. Well, that to me sounds like 
a lack of routine. Yeah, you're right. That sounds like a lack of routine, and I can relate to that. I know where human beings function best on routine. Our brains function best on routine. Our brains are always seeking routine. And I know, let's you look at, say, the Christmas time of year, Christmas, New Year's time of year, routines are completely out of whack because yeah. we're, we're not working. So often we don't need to get up at a certain time of the morning to get ready for work. Yeah. We've just got social function after social function or family gathering. We're not at work. So our, our normal day-to-day routine goes completely... Yeah, well, I think around this time of year, you always, you always, you, you often even forget what day of the week it is. Uh, so it is yep. easy, but I think the term "falling off the wagon" as well needs to be uh, used in the right context. Sometimes I think some people think that uh, they've had a couple of bad meals and they've fallen off the wagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes that just needs to be clarified in that you are allowed to make mistakes in life. And you are allowed to make mistakes with what you eat. And it's not just you are allowed to make mistakes. You will you make will. mistakes. So Get ready for if, it. If you're talking about I've, I've had a couple of bad meals or I've, I mean, I know from, from personally for myself over the Christmas, New Year's week, I probably ate a oh, quote unquote, I guess you'd call it a bad meal. I would say almost once a day or once every two days because I had something on you've got parties you've got things going on mm. but I wouldn't call myself falling off the wagon from from that but so everyone's definition is of course going to be different I would just be careful about beating yourself down for mistakes thinking that you've fallen off the wagon but if, if you generally do you think that you've 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 lost it it's gone too far how do I get back on I would I would just remember why you started in the first place well, I would also say if if you've had a bad meal or two and you then decide, well, I'm going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and, yeah, and, 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 and write the whole day off or write the whole week off, in terms of how you get back on track, you just do it. You start with your next meal. Yeah. You start with that next training session at the gym and, buddy, just get back onto it. And all of a sudden, I can tell you this, you feel like you're back in control. Don't dwell on what, no. what's happened. If you if you're gonna have a treat, could I suggest enjoying it? <laughs> and then could I suggest just getting back to what is what is normal and having what you normally have and just staying in control. Yeah, it's the same thing with quote unquote quote falling off the wagon. I think that it's the same it's the same sort of concept with that. I think that you can you can beat yourself up about it and you can obsess over what to do, what you've done, why you've done it, all you'd like. Or you can just enjoy it. But you're not moving forward. And then move forward. So I think with anything like that you've just gotta the biggest tip that I think I could give and I think Matt you're the same is just is just say, Okay, that happened, that's done. Now I'm going to do this and I'm going to get back on routine I'm going to eat this and it's going to be fine whereas I think sometimes if you dwell too much on what's happened then yeah it's really easy just to just to throw your hands up in the air and say it's all just too hard and I'm not going to do it anymore well, I like to I like to plan my treats as you know yes I like to plan what we're going to have when we're going to have it and there's no guilt it's just no. it's just enjoyment and then the next meal is is back on track with what I'd normally have. So to me, having having the treat 
is is also part of the routine and I'm going to enjoy it because I've earned it. And then I take control as, a, well, to me, I'm in control having the treat. I choose to have it. Yeah. And I then choose to go back to what I normally have afterwards with, with no guilt or remorse. I, I tend to find that the treats actually taste better when I'm approaching it that way. That's our every, every week usual routine. Obviously, mm. over Christmas, New Year's, things are, as Matt said, a little bit out of routine, a little bit uh, abnormal. But as a general rule, week to week, we will Matt and I will plan what treat meals we're going to have that week. So we'll plan, okay, we're going to go out and have a date Friday night, so we're going to go out and we're going to have pizza and ice cream. Yep. And so we know during the week that we've got that to look forward to, so it keeps us on track. I've got to earn it. To earn that to earn that treat. It also yeah. helps you uh, keep track of how many you're having each week, I think, where really it's really uh, easy to unconsciously overeat on treat meals. And, and lose track of and how And lose much track you're of how many you're having. So mm. I think doing that where you're scheduling, okay, I've got this party to go to Saturday night, so I know I'm going to have something... A treat then and um, I've got this on on Sunday afternoon so I'm gonna have something then so you know already that week you've got two things on so you've got two cheap meals gonna be happening so that's gonna keep you on track all during the week because you know you've got that already scheduled all right so hopefully that helps shall I read the next one go for it all right this one comes from Matt must be a good bloke not you uh, not me another Matt <laughs> Uh, in Melbourne. Hello, guys. I've wondered, can you overtrain? Or can you keep going and train as often as you'd like as long as you feel okay? How do you know what signs you should be looking for? Thanks, Matt. Great question. Very good. You can overtrain, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. It is... I guess not talked about as often, but yes, you definitely can overtrain. And there's actually some really bad symptoms that go along with that. Some symptoms that you really don't want to be getting like, not only does it cause injuries, it actually causes some mental health symptoms as well. Like it can bring on depression and, uh, and some other nasty symptoms. So it's definitely something that we don't want to be happening, not only for injury, but for the sake of people's mental health. Um, can I... Can I just give an honest opinion on this? Yes. There's quite a few people that you'll find on the internet, which this shouldn't, shouldn't come as a huge surprise, <laughs> but there's a, a prevailing theory uh, among the hardcore bros that go to the gym that you can't overtrain. Can I just say that's a complete load of bullshit and the science says otherwise. I'm going to keep, I'm going to put um, some good reading on this in the show notes page Overtraining does exist. It's been proven in research. Yes. I have done it myself. Uh, overtraining does work in, in different ways and can have different effects. There can be just the, the standard physical overtraining where your body wears down. All of a sudden, you start to lose your strength in the gym. That's one of the signs that you're possibly overtraining. Uh, it can be an increased amount of sickness yes. because your, your immune, immune system is so yeah. suppressed, you're getting sick more often. It can, as you said, it can get to more advanced stages where you are predisposed to being more anxious. It can lead to signs of depression. And here's the worst part it can lead to, weight gain. Yeah. Because you think exercise is a trauma we're inflicting on our bodies, yes. especially the intense exercise. So the heavy weights that we do, 
let's say we're doing an intense cardio session, that's not pleasant for the body. That's a stress. Mm. It's a stress that the body has to react to. So absolutely, you can overtrain. Um, in terms of the signs you should look for, well, as I said, the first sign that's a, a real giveaway is performance. Yeah. So it could be your performance in, a, in an intense cardio session or a real easy one is your strength in the weights room. But consistently. If your strength starts consistently dipping, so one bad workout, I mean, that, who knows? Yeah. That, that can just be one of those days. Might not have enough sleep or but just... Let, let's say, because you know, assuming you're tracking your numbers in the weights room, let's say that your, your strength's going down consistently over the course of a few weeks. Something's going wrong. Yes. Let's say you're struggling to recover so you're constantly sore. You've constantly got aches and pains. It might be time to take a break. So what we do to help people with avoiding overtraining is that we recommend to all our clients at the end of a tough 12-week block, and for some people it could be even eight or 10 weeks, go and take a week, two weeks, even three weeks to what we call deload and let your body recover. So great question, Matt. Great question. But yeah, there's some some really fascinating uh, research done on that. I'll put a link to a, a fantastic article on overtraining in the on the show notes page worth reading. It's very illuminating. And one of Matt's pet peeves. Absolutely. And finally, um, we have a two part well, two questions from Jody. Jody. Who's also in Melbourne. I think that's Jody from our gym. Jody. All right. Hello, lovely people. She must be talking to you. Me. A couple Thanks, of questions sweetie. for you to chat about. Um, one, why is it best to only eat potato, bread, pasta, etc. when you exercise? Great question. Nice work, Jodes. Let's you, just you want to take this one? Handle that question before you move on to the next I question. I plan to. So, would you like to kick things off? Well, I would I would kick things off with a question back to that to you what what are potatoes bread pasta rice oats these what sort of they? foods what are they they're yummy they they are a carbohydrate yes they are a carbohydrate yes they're a, a high energy carbohydrate high energy carbohydrate so they're, a, they're a carbohydrate that releases energy very fast into the body um, in terms of Jody's question, why is it best to have this when you exercise? Well, exercise, as I said before, does put a stress on the body and it also depletes the body. So the primary fuel source of the human body is carbohydrate. Yes. That's what fuels our muscles. That's what allows us to lift heavy in the gym. If it's The best analogy I can give is think of it like your car. If you take your car for a road trip for the day, what do you need to do? Petrol. Yep. So the potato, bread, pasta, etc. Jodes is just putting more fuel back in the car. It's just your petrol that you're just yeah you're just refueling. So yep. you've so you've depleted your basically your tank, which is your body, by doing this intense exercise and by eating these high energy carbohydrates, you're refueling. So you're not help you're you're helping your body recover. Yep. And you're giving your body energy, and your body's actually going to be able to use these high energy carbohydrates for good. Yep, so for all the, the carb phobes yes. out there, which there are plenty, no, carbs can be your best friend. Yes, when they're it's used just, in the right way. It's just a case of knowing how to use them to your advantage. So when you do your intense exercise, 
a bit of potato, a bit of rice, yes. quinoa, quinoa. I quite like. I'm quite a fan, big fan of barley as well. These sort of starchy or grain carbohydrates. Sweet potato. Sweet, oh, sweet potato, absolutely. Yeah. They're, they're very good for your body. Your body will thank you for it. And just... They'll in, allow you to recover faster. They will. And just um, a quick note on that, just in case anybody... Uh, doesn't know bananas are also classified as a high energy carbohydrate they are uh so question number two from jody when i started i was very iffy about protein powder i thought it wasn't good for you could you please explain why i like this question because i think that there's a lot of discussion around protein powders and there's a lot of misconceptions around protein powders is there ever so we'll also put, I think, some resource up. We'll find a, an excellent resource as well. So you I can, know the exact one. I'll put it read, in the show notes. You can read a bit more about that. Um, there's a heap of research obviously being done about protein powders. Decades in terms of whey protein, there's research that is older than me. Yes. One of, my, exactly one of my pet peeves actually, which I'll just mention first up before I forget, when protein powder gets wet, it's... It starts to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Denature. Denature. It starts to break down, yeah. let's say. It starts to break down. So realistically, when you have protein powder and you get it wet, you should be consuming it. So if you're wanting to make protein balls or something like that, what they call protein balls or bliss balls or anything like that that you're bliss having... Balls. If you want to make them, great. I suggest you consume them if you have protein in them fairly quickly. If you put them in the fridge, yeah, they're not going to go off, but the protein that's in them is not going to be effective for you in days to come. That's a fantastic tangent. Can I just point that out? Because can, it is one um, of my pet peeves that can, people do. Can we answer the question? Go for it. Go, go. Okay. In terms of protein powder, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of let's call it, speculation out there but i'm not a not a massive fan of speculation i like to look towards what the science says protein powder in particular high quality whey protein has decades of quality research behind it so in terms of is it good for you it's extremely good for you because whey protein was originally used in baby formula yes uh back in the 70s and that's when the the bodybuilders got a hold of it mm realizing how good this stuff is and were smashing the baby formula as as part of their part of their routine and, now and it's a billion dollar industry out of that spun the supplement industry so in terms of whey pro or protein powder not being good for you protein powder is a lot like any other supplement on the market there is going to be good stuff mm. and there's going to be Average. let's say less than good mm. stuff so if we're talking about protein powder, we're looking for high quality, the best of the best is whey protein, in or particular whey protein isolate, isolate yep. whey protein concentrate. So what this does is it just helps when we're having it around our training, it helps to you know really kickstart the recovery process uh, in terms of you know building up the muscle tissue we're breaking down as part of, part of our exercise. Uh, protein, in particular whey protein, has also been shown to help boost the immune system. Mm. It also serves to help keep us feeling more full for longer. Yes. And also has a thermic effect on the body. Um, so those, I'll, like I said before, I will put some reading material in 
the show notes section, good quality protein powder, extremely good for you. Do you need to have it to lose weight and get in shape? No, No. you do not. Nope. Because really, um, and I'm now going to risk going on a tangent, protein powder is not meant to be a substitute for real food. No. It's a supplement. And what supplement mean? It's a supplement. It's there to help boost something else that you are doing. So when used as a supplement, protein powder is very effective and very powerful. But it's not... It's a meal replacement. It's not a meal replacement. Not... Not on this planet or any other planet is it a meal replacement. Um, but yeah, it doesn't need to be consumed, but has been shown in research to greatly assist. Assist, yeah. Absolutely. So um, nice work there, Jodes. Yeah, great questions, everyone. Yep. So thanks for sending those in. We've obviously received a heap more. so we But can... we also want to receive a heap more yeah. again. So please, any questions you've got, email us at... You want to try this one again? Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Oh, my God. Boom, you smashed it. You finally got it right. <laughs> High five. Well done. Good job. Yeah, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Oh, you almost mucked it up. No, man. I did not. Maybe I did. Uh, yeah, we'd like to hear from you guys. Any questions that you've got, uh, anything about about exercise, eating, it doesn't even need to be related to that. We, no. I, I love random Random questions Ran- are good too. Ran- random can be good. Anything you want to know, we're, we're here to chat. We'd also like to get some feedback from you guys on you know, what you're thinking of the, the episodes so far. Anything you'd also like us to talk about in the future, we are like, hey, we're here to help. We're all ears. Yep. So with that, we're going to wrap Stop this up. Now. Yep. We're going to shut up for <laughs> once in our lives. So yes, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will... Uh... Hope to, hope to hear from you soon. Yep, and you'll hear from us very soon. I was about to say see you soon, but we're not going to see people. Who knows? So who knows? We might see you soon. We might hear from you soon. Have a great day. See you later. Bye for now. Get more free tips. Listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.